Hi, I'm Mike Pickles, and you're listening to the Daily Deal Podcast. We hear about inspirational stories from folks like you and I. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. So welcome to another episode of the Daily Deal Podcast with Mike Pickles. And if you haven't already, please subscribe so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. Now today, let's get right into it. Today we have a very special guest from Ontario, Canada, um, she is an award-winning author, a thought leader, an international trainer, and fearless speaker. And in 2020, she was awarded the Women of Inspiration Customer uh, Experience Award. And in 2021, she was recognized as the top behavioral expert of the year. A lot going on there. So please welcome Adele Spragan. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So we are just saying before we started recording here that you're from Ontario. Can you speak a little bit about that, how you got there, or what, what's the story behind you're in Markham, I believe, correct? I am, yeah. Well, I didn't grow up here. I was born in England, and uh, I was what I was called a shell baby. So my father worked for Shell Oil. So we moved to Venezuela when I was a child. So I had my formative years there, and then was he was transferred to Canada when I was a teenager. So I've been here ever since. Wow. I've actually heard about that. A shell baby. A shell baby. Yes. Yeah. Are you the, the only one? Siblings or? No, there's three of us. There's so three, three daughters. Okay. I'm the youngest of three. And are you all in Ontario? Uh, yes, we are now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. No thoughts about ever going back to the other side of the pond? And you know what? Venezuela right now, as you've probably heard, is politically very unstable. So um now, there are still expats who live there, and they make a very comfortable home, but it's not somewhere that I'm planning on going to anytime soon. Anytime soon. All right. So now I know, Adele, that you wrote, I th well, you may have wrote many books, but I know of one for sure, uh, The Shift. It's called The Shift, Four Steps to uh, Personal Empowerment. In my podcast, as everybody knows who's listening to it, it's all about motivation, inspiration, and type things, empowerment. So would you mind talking a bit about your book, like how that came about? Yeah, sure. So I was in the personal development industry. I mean, I've been in this space for over 30 years. And, um, you know, for the first 15 or so of those, Mike, I was following all the traditional operating instructions. So everything that we're taught to do when it comes to personal development and motivation. The problem was, is it wasn't working very well for me, not working very well at all. I was um, still, regardless of how much effort I put towards it, I was still having panic attacks, regardless how much effort I, I put towards willpower and control, I was still quitting. So I kept quitting business after business. And so, um, so I started to ask myself, well, maybe we have the wrong operating instructions. Maybe it's not me. So I went back to university and I, I wanted to get my master's to understand how the human brain thinks and how the human brain makes decisions. And sure enough, I determined, yeah, we're pretty much using the wrong operating instructions. So I created new ones. You know, it's interesting when we know how the brain works and how the brain is making decisions on our behalf, and we know how to work with the brain, um, people who I work with, they achieve their goals about 87% of the time. Now, if you consider that the average success rate for somebody setting a goal is anywhere between 4%, if it's a diet, 
and 25% if it's an entrepreneurship, that's a vast difference, right? 87% to those success rates is remarkable. And it's just simply because our brain does not operate in the way we're taught that it operates. Wow, I didn't realize it was only 4%, but I'm not surprised um, in January, I go to the gym here quite often. And in January, you know, we have the New Year's resolution. And mm -hmm. by January slash February, like you just said, most of those people aren't going to the gym anymore. So I didn't realize it was that low though, 4%. Yeah, and for um, a willpower method, it is around 4%. So dieting, um, quitting substances, things like that. Yeah. Um, no, you know, everybody's unique. So some people find that the willpower method works very well for them. The problem is, is that that then invites blame and shame for the people who can't follow that method, right? Yeah. So um, it's, it's just actually perpetuating the problem. So we need a fresh look at the human brain. We need a fresh look at how it works and how it operates and work with it rather than against it. Speaking about a fresh perspective of the human brain, um, I know, let's dive into that a little bit. I know you talk a lot about the, uh, our left brain. Yes. So yes. what do you mean by that, that we're not using well, it enough? No, actually, we're over dom overemphasizing. We have an overdominance of the left brain's way of perceiving the world. So interesting fact about your brain. And this, like, what I should, what I need to preface this with, Mike, is that neuroscience, the advances in neuroscience in the last 20, 25 years are tremendous, okay? Up until then, we really didn't have the brain scanners to peek inside our brain and understand what was going on. So anything that we did inside the brain was invasive, and now we can do it in a non-invasive way, which means that, that we can study it with, and all of science now, and you probably heard this, you've heard all the advances in neurosciences because they're now turning the lens on us, on ourselves rather than on nature. So, um, so one interesting finding is the work done by Ian McGilchrist, and he's looking at the brain hemispheres. And he asked himself, like you've probably heard this, the left brain is logical and mathematical and the right brain is creative and imagination, right? That's typically the way we see the brain. Yeah. Okay, so he's debunked that. That is not actually what is occurring in the hemispheres. So Mike, sitting here, and anybody listening can play along. There are two distinct and separate things that your brain needs to do at exactly the same time. One thing is focus in on what I am saying and understand the, the words, right? So focus narrowly in on what I'm saying, not be distracted by all the different stuff that's around you so that you can pay attention, okay? Yeah. Equally, and at the same time, your brain has to be alert for possible dangers, possible opportunities that may or may not be there, right? There may be a fire in the kitchen, there may not, but if there is, then your brain has to know about it and do something about it. Now, if you consider those two completely opposing things that your brain is doing, you can see that it's impossible to do both of those at the same time. To focus in and to be aware of everything is, is two separate tasks, right? So how does nature handle this problem? Well, she severed the brain in two. She said, okay, left brain, you focus in narrowly, right brain, you pay attention to everything in the space around you, right? Okay, great. 
So now what happens? Well, as right brain is, folk, is being aware of everything, it cannot separate and divide. Does that make sense? So in order to be aware of everything, it has to just remain in the flow of the moment of what's going on. Yeah. Okay. So what it does is it passes its information, its presencing of the current moment over to the left brain. Left brain then separates and divides it up and brings that knowledge and that knowing of what is going on in the space. Okay. All right. Great. In order for left brain to do that, it has to rely on information that it learned in its past. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it has to know stuff. All right. Now let's look at how your brain patterning works. So the human brain is unlike other animals. When you're first born, it is born pretty much a blank slate. Animals have instincts. They know how to survive. So an animal will know what actions to take, but your brain has to learn everything. So from the moment you're born, it has to piece together its patterning. It has to take the information that it learns from each situation and store it away for future use. Okay. okay. So then those patterns now take priority. It is those patterns that now know the action that you need to take given the situation. But it doesn't matter whether that action is effective or not. It just matters that you took that action yesterday. And as long as you take the same action today that you took yesterday, the brain will tell you that you're safe, right? Right. All right. So here is your left hemisphere consistently being educated. It's now over dominant because we have over prioritizing its way of being, um, which is past based knowledge not really connecting to the environment, connecting to what's going on around us, being present in the moment, which is right brain. So that left brain is just constantly overriding what's going on here in the moment with past-based knowledge. And when you were little, highly likely you didn't do everything great. Right? Highly likely those actions that you took were not that effective, but it doesn't matter. Your brain just continues to use them. And that's why we have such a poor rate of success when it comes to goal setting, because we need to upgrade those patterns if you're going to actually get to your goals. Does that all that make sense? Yeah, very much so. And actually very interesting. So when I was just thinking as you're speaking, I've been in education now teaching for 28 years. So I'm just curious as to what you just said. Um, on that same sort of line of thinking, what do you think or predict or suggest, recommend as far as education is concerned, like what we should be doing in schools? That's a great question. I mean, first of all, we need to stop educating so much in terms of um, uh, linear history, uh, mathematical equations, knowledge, like just giving people facts, right? Let's teach people how to learn rather than just what to learn, right? The left brain very much prioritizes what. It feels that once it knows something that is to be prioritized, that's valuable. But the world's speeding up. It is becoming way too fast now for us to rely on past-based information and past-based actions. Every action that we take now needs to be aligned with what's currently going on in the moment. So let's teach, I mean, you know, if I was going to be an educator, and I'm not, I'm not, but I did have one teacher who took what I taught and took it to the classroom. And she said it was remarkable, because here's what I teach. I teach that everything that we perceive is going on in our situation is given by an existing brain pattern. Okay, so 
you know, we think that we understand what's going on out here in the world. But if we know how our brain works, we have to kind of rethink that. We have to say, okay, my brain is interpreting what's going on out here in the world in this way. Yeah. All right. So I see that that person is being a bully. <laughs> Let's take what the teacher did in school. But what she taught the kids how to do in, in very simplified language, because I don't teach to children. So for me, that's very tricky. But what she taught them to do is she taught them to take their subjective experience and question it and just say, okay, I see that person as being a bully, but what's my reaction to that person being a bully? Okay. Right. And as she did this, she taught grades five and six, and she said it was incredible all those cliques that occur around that age group of five and six, they just melted away. And these kids were actually leaning in and listening to each other rather than judging each other. There was no longer the gossip that was occurring, particularly amongst the girls, she said. I mean, all of that just disappeared. Um, and they were curious about each other. And so when they heard somebody say something, they would often say something like, hey, I heard you say this, is that what you meant? Well, that's very adult, right? <laughs> like to be able to do that. And even adults struggle with that sometimes. So she was just like uh, delighted because from there she could actually start to teach them what they needed to know rather than deal with all the personalities and upsets and the uh, conflicts that were in the classroom. Right, right. And uh, I'm going to back up a little bit. And you mentioned, and it's true, that the world's spinning is so fast right now um, due to technology specifically. So with all the access that our kids have to technology today, what are your thoughts on that about how we're over emphasis on the left, you know, the left hemisphere of the brain? So what about that technology yes. speeding up process? Yeah, technology is definitely a left brain um, asset, a left brain skill is the ability to use technology. It definitely relies on knowing, right? It doesn't rely on being present. Um, it, the brain needs rest. And I don't mean sleep. <laughs> I mean, the brain needs to get away from that high level of speed and that constant stimulation that we are giving children today and even adults today. Um, there, have you heard of um, uh, cell phone addiction, right? Like For sure. we've reached the level now where we are no longer in control. The pattern is now in control. Anytime we're addicted, it's because the pattern has stepped into the position of control and we're helpless in the face of the pattern. That is becoming more and more prevalent in today's world. Um, I would say don't give your kids that level of technology. And if you do, make sure that you're really, really limited. Okay, let me teach you something about the cell phone, but try, but you know what, Mike? I mean, having said that, that's almost impossible because schools are now using that level of technology, right? Um, uh, uh, parents are now feeling like they have to give their kids technology in order to stay in communication. So I would say talk to your kids much smarter than you think they are and share with them the effect of what these cell phones are having on their brain and make sure that you empower them in the face of what's coming. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good recommendation or good suggestions because I know you're all about shifting your patterns and you mentioned the word patterns and shifting your future. So if you shift your patterns, you can shift your future. So yeah. I think that's what you're sort of trying to say, correct? Yeah, yeah. So let, let me go to those new operating instructions. Remember I said initially that I created new ones? Okay, 
So here's how we are taught to work with our brain. You are taught to set a goal and then you're taught to determine the steps to get to that goal, right? Right. And you're taught that you should know what those steps are and that if you're doing everything correctly, you should be able to follow those steps. And so there should be no reason that you can't get to your goal. That's how we are taught, right? If you don't get to your goal, then two things are wrong. Either there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with the goal. So either quit that goal and take another one or go and correct yourself. Go fix yourself. There's something broken. Okay, great. That is all left brain. Everything I just said is given by a left brain dominant belief that um, you should know and that knowledge is in charge. Okay. Okay. All right. No operating instructions. Set a goal. That's fine. You want to know where you want to get to. The next step is not how do I get there? The next step is this. Why am I not there today? You will notice that your mind starts to kick up a whole bunch of beliefs. Oh, I'm unworthy. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I don't know how. All of those are beliefs, right? Behaviors. Oh, I feel really anxious right now. Like if I, if I get that goal, you know, my whole life will change all of those things. All of that anxiety, that fear will start to come up. Oh, and actions. I'm procrastinating. I'm not doing what I said I would do. Perfect. Under each one of those, there runs a brain pattern. If we know how the brain works, that is just given by a neural pathway in the brain, right? Right. So what we can do is remove that pattern. We don't have to worry about the solution. Our brain is brilliant. What we have to do is use a method of subtraction where we subtract the pattern that is not taking the action that we need it to take, that is behaving in ways that are not working for us, and that is believing things that are now untrue because those patterns were created when we were little, when we weren't good enough, okay? As soon as we remove it, our brain has what is called plasticity. It is constantly trying to rewire itself. It will create a brand new pattern, and it will create a pattern that takes you in the direction of that goal. Yeah. And yeah. so our brain is fantastic. I mean, our brain, if we know how to work it, it's, it's miraculous. Like the things that people can accomplish when we start working with our brain patterning is amazing and surprising. And I can give you some examples of that if you'd like. Yeah, sure. But first of all, back to your book, because I find that interesting, the shift. You said there's four steps to personal empowerment. And I believe you mentioned a few already. But just for more clarification for our listeners, what are those four steps? Yeah. So the first step is to uh, identify the pattern that is giving rise to the unworkable action behavior belief. Okay, so that's step one. Let's stop thinking that the problem is out there. And let's address the problem where it actually lies, which is a pattern in the brain. So that's step one is just to identify it. So I'm going to tell your listeners what a pattern is. How are you going to know when you're running an unworkable pattern? You have a built-in guide, okay? And that guide is your suffering. If you are suffering, then highly likely that you're running an unworkable pattern. And when I mean suffering, it can be... Um, uh, an internal suffering or external. It might be conflict in your relationships. All of those are given by patterns. So a pattern is an intertwined physical sensation, emotion, and thought. When the three parts of our being come together, we feel something, we have sensations, we have thoughts. That is how we're going to identify that pattern that doesn't work. 
Okay. Second step is you are going to own it as a pattern. It's occurring inside the brain. It's not occurring out here in the situation. So we're going to flip that switch and we're going to recognize that that is a pattern of our creation. We don't have to know where it was created. We just have to acknowledge that, yeah, this is a pattern in my brain and I created that. So that's step two is own it as a pattern. Step three, we are going to deconstruct or pull apart that pattern, okay? Just think of a neural pathway in your brain. You're just going to tease that pathway apart, and then your brain will upgrade it. It'll snap into new channels. That is called deconstructing the pattern. That's a little bit of a tricky step to understand. It's not so much a tricky step to do, so I outline it fully in my book how you do that. And then the fourth step, and only then can we upgrade that pattern to create a new pattern. Until we remove that old pattern, the brain is going to keep taking that old action over and over and over again. Wow. What you said just reminds me a lot about addiction, like those four steps. So you, do you do a lot of work with addiction? I do. I do quite a bit with addiction, actually. So, um, you know, I work with people who are alcoholics or perceived alcoholics, you know, um, they just have a habit of drinking, a pattern of drinking that just keeps driving it. Um, but I, I'm also seeing a very huge rise in cell phone addiction, like I was saying, uh, pornography addiction, that's on the rise because of all the technology. Um, so all of those addictions are just brain patterns, right? Yeah. I, um, you know, they have that feeling of being out of control and that feeling of helplessness. But the more you try to address those addictions through control, the less effective you're going to be. Because the more you try and do that, the more helpless you start to feel, the more the pattern digs in. So removing those patterns is really, really helpful for addicts. Okay. Uh, before we go further, how can people get a hold of you, Adele, that want to get a hold of you? Uh, the best place is my website, adelspragan.com. Um, you know, on there, I have lots of free training. So if people want to try out the repatterning training, you can get 30 days of access for free. You can get a free copy of my book. All I ask is people pay for shipping. So there's lots of ways to explore patterning and see if it's right for you. And, and if you enjoy that, working with your patterns rather than working with the situations, that's the place to go, adelspragan.com. Okay, AdeleSpragan.com. Um, let's circle back to the patterning. I know you mentioned two, uh, pornography and um, cell phone addiction or technology. So that was my question I was going to ask you. What do you see or what do you predict the future is going to be as far as patterns? Mm, that's a great question, Mike. We are heading deeply into the unknown. I mean, the one place that we can never say that we can predict right now is the future. It used to be, and here's the interesting thing is about patterning, and if you think about it, it makes total sense. In a world that's relatively stable and that doesn't have much change to it, patterns that you created in your childhood would continue to work throughout your lifetime. So when we lived in small villages in which everything was pretty much predictable, patterns that were created during your childhood years, adolescence years, yeah, they would continue to carry you through right through to adulthood, right? Because things didn't change that much. Today, the reason that I believe methods such as repatterning, such as what I teach are arising, is because those patterns created in our childhood are just no longer working. So the thing that we need to do now, as we move into this unknown future, is remove our fears for the unknown. 
So there is one thing that the human brain fears, and that is the unknown. It's the only thing that we all share as a fear. Humanity fears the unknown. It is, it's why we have patterns to begin with. Standing at the brink of this new unknown, that is the biggest pattern we need to repattern, that fear. As soon as we repattern that, it won't matter what the world throws at us. Our brain has plasticity. Our brain is able to create new patterns and you will be able to handle it. But, you know, that's where we need to go next. So I agree with you. Fear of the unknown. And there's so much of that out there today. You know, we just think about anything from everything, whether it was the uh, COVID or the isolation, uh, you know, the wars right now, uh, politics, like anything. There's so much unknown, uncertainty, I guess. So uh, what are some strategies to deal with that fear of the unknown? What can people do? Well, it is a pattern. So it is an intertwined physical sensation, emotion, thought. It will arise in everybody a little differently. Some people uh, become very angry, right? And, and rebellious and scared. Other people are very, very anxious and worried and ruminating. So you have to identify what that pattern is for you. But facing this unknown future that is coming at us, what is your physical sensation? What is your emotion? What is your thought, right? Okay, that is a pattern. We're going to identify that pattern. Your next step is to own that as a pattern. It's everybody responds differently. Why? Because we each have our own unique pattern. And our only question is, is does it work? Okay, so a pattern that is anxious and afraid likely won't work. A pattern that's reacting with anger likely won't work. Um, so we just own it as a pattern and we're just going to remove that pattern. So we're going to deconstruct it. At that point, people end up in a space of usually different things, but definitely what comes with it is calm, resilience, um, a knowledge, courage that they can face it, and a willingness to just be present with what's going on rather than having to fix what is going on, right? Just being aware of what is happening and the ability to know that whatever action they take in that moment is going to work for them and for everybody around them. And so it's a beautiful, calming space, but also with a lot of action as required. Make sense? Okay. That makes sense. Um, I assume you make, uh, you do uh, public speaking? like you, I do. Yeah, or training, you know, go around training organizations and companies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, what are the main subjects or topics that most people hire you to speak upon? Like what, what, what are people looking for out there? Yeah, anxiety is massive right now. Huge. Um, there is so much fear and there is so much unknown. And people are really looking for ways to cope with that level of anxiety. So that's one of the first things that I get hired for. And that shows up in, in different ways, like sales anxiety, right? But, you know, definitely anxiety. Um, um, the other things that I'm hired for is relationships. So conflicts in relationships, oftentimes couples will come to me and say, hey, you know, we're, we're really fighting more, but that's also driven by what's going on in the planet today. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stimulation that we all have to deal with a lot of uncertainty about the economics and money is a big um, conflict creator. Um, so how do we deal with those conflicts? So those two things are primarily what I what I'm hired to to help with. Okay. 
Another question for you. Sometimes we're so busy helping others, you know, offering strategies, recommendations, um, tips, coping skills to other people. So how does Adele Spragan help herself deal with all this fast-paced, anxiety-driven world we're in? I repattern every single day. I never go a day without applying the four-step repatterning technique. So now it's easy because it's a two-minute technique. It's done in the privacy of my own head. It's not like I, it takes me a lot of time, but I do it twice a day. So I do two patterns in the morning. I do two patterns in the evening. And that is more than enough to keep me connected to what's actually going on in the present moment, um, calm, peaceful, and in action in action in action being i am taking action as required now uh, that makes sense do you see any differences and i'm sure there are subtle differences but i mean overall do you see any differences between we're talking the patterning we're talking about even anxiety male and females uh today's generation compared to the last generation or a future generation uh different countries even provinces like do you see a difference or is it pretty much all the same we're on the same boat here well, that's a great question. We have group patterns and we have individual patterns. So, um, you know, are there gender patterns? Yes, there are, right? And it's, but however, the human brain is the human brain. So let me just preface everything I'm about to say by saying this. A pattern is a pattern is a pattern. I don't care if it's arising in, in a man or in a woman or in a 18 year old or in a, 75 year old, okay? Patterns are patterns and they're always physical sensations, emotions, thoughts. However, because patterns are driven by how we are educated, there are of course group patterns that we must deal with. So, you know, and we can see it, like I'm Canadian. Canadians have different patterns than we're seeing in America, right? And, you know, and we even talk about that and Europeans have different patterns than we have here in North America. So definitely because patterns are educated into us, we can see some similarities across groups. It's still a pattern and we still get to own it as our pattern if it doesn't work, okay? Um, so what are some of the differences that I do see? Let's just take gender differences. I mean, one thing that men are very much educated not to pay attention to their body. It happens on the schoolyard, suck it up, don't be a sissy, right? All of those messages. Um, they're educated not to really tune in to their emotions and their um, physical sensations and explore more at the level of thought, right? Whereas women are taught, yeah, you're educated more to listen, just tune in. Okay, so some men say to me, gosh, Adele, like, you know, I don't know how to identify my emotions. But over time, and it just takes a few weeks, they do learn. Right? It's not that the body isn't communicating, it's just that they aren't taught how to tune into it. You talk about um, generational differences. My generation, that, that tuning, not tuning into their emotions is very common. Whereas today's generation, they're much more aligned with what's going on in their body. We're being taught to listen and to uh, prioritize our experience, right? So yes. Does that answer your question? There are group patterns. Yeah. We still get to own them. Yeah. I was just curious what you noticed, you know, when you're out there doing your talks and your training, what you've seen, what you observed. Yeah. I see a very much a lack of focus today is um, part of the today's generation, which is given by the high level of technology 
there is much less of an attention span that is going on. But again, that is also just a pattern. And the question is, does that work? And we can repattern it if it doesn't. Um, that's one of the big things that I'm seeing. Uh, the other thing I'm seeing, which is really interesting, this whole idea of um, narcissism, it's become a massive pattern today. And people um, seeing narcissism in other people. You know, in my generation, it was other things that people were labeled, but today that's a massive label that I'm seeing. So I'm, I'm really curious about that one and I'm just observing it to see where it's going. Yeah, on those, on that thought where it's going, I'm curious to see where it's going. I'm curious, I want to ask you this question. Um, what do you see as something we should do, you know, as humankind immediately or we could be in trouble? As far as you know the patterns and all the things we talked about today like what's something we should just stop doing or start doing or we could be in trouble well you know what what really lights me up about the brain is that the solution exists in our brain okay and the reason the solution exists in our brain is because the problem exists in our brain the sole problem of today's planet the sole problem is that we're over overuse and over domination of the left hemisphere. As soon as we are able to do a whole brain communication and strengthen or let me say, yeah, strengthen the communication between these two hemispheres, the right hemisphere is connected to its environment, it's connected to now, it's connected to each other. And anybody who's interested in this topic, Jill Bolte-Taylor is the neuroscience to pay, scientist to pay attention to. She's doing massive research on what the right hemisphere provides us. Because that actually lights me up. What I'm seeing is two things that are occurring at the same time. All these conflicts are occurring because the left brain domination is now no longer able to manage the situation that it, it in itself has created. That's one thing that's arising. At the same time, a fresh understanding of the human brain is arising and our ability to understand the problem as existing in here in our own head and how we can change that is also arising. So right now we're in a race. I got to say, we're in a race. Is the left brain dominant way of being going to beat out this understanding of whole brain and the right brain's ability to re- um, to correct the situation that we have caused, which one is going to win? I don't know, but <laughs> I'm really hoping it'll be the whole brain and right brain communication that wins out. But what really lights me up is because I own the problem, that is really great. I don't have to fix anything outside of me. I just have to fix my own brain. That's it. Yeah, that's an empowerment thought that you said that everything's within us. It's within our brain. We just have to yeah. tap into it, repattern, you know, figure it out for ourselves. Um, I feel like we, it's like an iceberg. I feel like we just touched the surface today. I know you have 90% below the water that you could offer, but we don't have that time. However, our listeners are very fortunate because she did write a book about this called Shift uh, Four Steps to Personal Empowerment. So I encourage you to buy that book and read about what we talked about today, which again, we just touched the surface. Adele Spragan, um, she also has, well, you just said adelespragan.com. So you can reach, reach out to her that way to find out more information about what we're talking about today. So again, today's guest, excuse me, was Adele Spragan. She's an award-winning author. 
She's a thought leader. She's an international trainer and speaker. And she's got a list full of awards here that we had. There's a few that I did. I even missed uh, in, your, in your introduction. You were uh, featured on the cover of a TIP magazine, the Top Industry Professionals magazine. Mm-hmm. So you have accomplished a lot. Congratulations, first of all, on that. And number thank two, you. thank you for your uh, valuable information here today. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm happy to help. I'm here to spread the word. I like to say I'm starting a movement to whole brain thinking. So anybody who's interested in knowing more, please just jump on my website. There's lots of free goodies in there. And um, yeah, let's change the world together. There you heard it. Let's start a movement and let's change the world together. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you did, be sure to subscribe and share with your family and friends. And remember, you may be given a cactus in life, but you don't have to sit on it.